Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Kira Revan, and this, this is the Sunday 7. On this week's edition of the Signal Award-winning Sunday 7, we find out who's suing Meta and why. We hear some worried climate scientists, what guy gets annoyed about captures, and the moon might have been lying about its age. But first, in this day in 1998, US astronaut John Glenn made history as he headed into space for a second time. He'd made history in 1962 as the first American to orbit the Earth, and in 1998, at 77 years of age, he joined the Space Shuttle Discovery crew to help research the effects of space flight on aging. Mark Zuckerberg hasn't been having a great year or two. Meta have struggled to make the whole metaverse concept happen. They've made pay cuts and staff cuts as revenues fall and Facebook is no longer the all-conquering giant it once was. They've also had a billion-dollar fine from the European Union via the Irish Data Commissioner over the way they've handled users' data and transported it across the world. Now, they also have legal problems in the US, but this time it's not just about user data. It's a class-action lawsuit about the way the platform is designed and the impact it has on children and teens. 41 states have joined together for this case and their central claim is that both Facebook and Instagram are designed to be addictive. Brian Schwab is Attorney General for Washington, D.C. The lawsuit that we filed in the D.C. Superior Court here in Washington, D.C. alleges deceptive and unfair trade practices under our Consumer Protection Act. We are seeking to hold Meta accountable for engaging in deceptive and dangerous business practices, putting out an addictive product designed to hook young people into spending more time on their screens and creating massive amounts of harm. Our lawsuit will seek monetary redress as well as injunctive relief to make sure that Meta changes its practices that are otherwise causing great harm to residents here in the District of Columbia and across the country. They claim that features like infinite scrolling, push notifications and the like button are all designed to keep people on the platforms, which in turn drive revenue and profits. They also cite research that says excessive social media use can lead to depression, anxiety and insomnia. Attorney General for Tennessee, Jonathan Skerritt, says it's too important not to act. This is not about money. This is about protecting kids. And what we want is for the company to change its behaviour. And this is part of a broader effort by the attorneys general to make all the social media companies responsible in this respect. Meta says it's disappointed this case is heading to court and that they provide over 30 tools to provide teens and their families with a safe and positive online experience. Facebook whistleblower Frances Hagen says the big tech needs to be properly regulated. Social media is the most powerful industry in the world for how opaque it is. You know, it's like having a soda company where people keep compulsively consuming it. And when scientists say, we want to research this, the company comes back and says, no, we'll sue you. Mm. That literally is what Facebook does. They've sued researchers who caught them with egg on their face. Companies that are opaque can cut corners at the public expense and there's no consequences. Six. 
Tuesday saw a new report by a group of international climate scientists issue their starkest warning yet about where the planet is headed. They say we're afraid of the uncharted territory that we have now entered. Climate scientists have been trying for some time now to spur governments into action as all of the warning indicators on our planetary dashboard appear to be turning red. The team of 12 researchers writing in the Journal of Biosciences say they've been shocked by the ferocity of extreme weather events so far in 2023. Just this week, Storm Otis turned into a Category 5 hurricane and made landfall in Mexico in the tourist destination of Acapulco where it killed at least 27 people. That's an unheard of event but the ferocity of hurricanes and tropical storms seem to be accelerating. The researchers point out that if climate change and record temperatures continue at least 6 billion of the world's 8 billion people may find themselves in unhabitable conditions. Professor Jim Skia is the chairman of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and a professor of sustainable energy at the Imperial College London. He's increasingly concerned that the UK government's plans to slow down the push to net zero is entirely the wrong strategy. Everything we've been seeing this year, the wildfires, the extreme storms, etc., are things that IPCC has projected in previous reports, but it's happened much, much more quickly than we expected. And it's not only the obvious you can see on your television screens, it's the measurements that scientists are making about air temperatures, the temperature of the ocean. We are in very exceptional territory. One very important point to be made, it's not the time that when you get to net zero emissions that matters it's the total amount of greenhouse gases you put into the atmosphere before you get there so if you wait to the last minute then it will be the case the world will be warmer than it otherwise would have been. So it's absolutely the case that the pathway matters. And we've constantly said we need to have ambitious action but we also need immediate and rapid action Still to come on the Sunday 7, a cervical cancer breakthrough and a look at the future of farming. We've all been driven demented by the security device on a lot of websites. We're asked to prove we're not robots by identifying which squares contain motorbikes or steps or really annoyed tech journalists. They are known as CAPTCHAs and our Smart 7 tech guru, Will Guide, has been puzzling over blurry photos all week. So, Will... What are the CAPTCHAs and what does it stand for? Well, so a CAPTCHA is basically to test if there's a human at the end of a device using the internet. Um, CAPTCHA itself is an acronym from Completely Automated Public Turing Test to Tell Computers and Humans Apart. No wonder nobody ever calls it that. Now, to many of us, these CAPTCHAs exist just to raise our heart rate. You're clicking on all the images with tractors in them. You're selecting all of the photos with traffic lights. But apparently, and this is a statistic I have quadrupled checked now society now spends 500 years every day solving solving captures what are they supposed to do well they're designed as a way of stopping spam and bots from extracting data from websites now that's in theory because this week a university of california survey said that bots are now better and significantly faster than humans at cracking these capture tests and they looked at systems deployed across over 100 of the world's most popular websites to do that and they're much better than humans so ai is helping robots win the capture wars yeah definitely and that's why the captures that we're getting as humans are actually getting harder to solve because there's almost like an arms race now between bots and humans with the ones that we mostly see on the internet humans can do the average capture in between 9 and 15 seconds with an accuracy of somewhere between 50 and 84 percent bots are doing the most popular captures in less than a second with almost perfect scores so i think we're doomed What's the next thing then if these captures are no more? Skynet? 
<laughs> it's a constant game of cat and mouse. That's going to be the problem here. Loads of stuff is being tested as the next best thing. Um, some companies are suggesting playing a little game before you get access to a website, but that will get annoying really quickly. There was a big breakthrough this week in treatment for cervical cancer. It's the fourth most common cancer globally, mainly affecting women in their early 30s. There are around 3,200 cases diagnosed in the UK each year. Now, researchers at University College London's Cancer Institute say they've discovered that a change in treatment could potentially lead to a 35% reduction in deaths, which might be the biggest breakthrough in treatment of the disease in 20 years. The new regime involves adding induction chemotherapy at the start of treatment, which has a significant impact on how effective the overall treatment is. Dr Mary McCormack is a senior clinical oncologist in gynecological cancer at University College London Hospital. What we did was we invited women to attend for chemotherapy once a week, half a day a week for six weeks before giving them the current standard treatment which is daily radiotherapy with weekly chemo. So in effect we gave additional chemotherapy for six weeks. So with that approach we found that Uh, When we looked at our progression-free survival, which is women that were alive without evidence of the cancer recurring at five years, there were at least one in 10 more patients alive in the group that had the additional chemotherapy. So 73% were alive and well without the cancer recurring compared with 64% in the standard of care arm. The important thing here is that if the patients are alive and well without the cancer recurring at five years, then they're very likely to be cured so that's what makes this very exciting. So to come on the Sunday 7, the moon might have been lying about her age and we meet a company who want to work hybrid first. Right after this. Welcome back. With climate change and concerns about the carbon footprint of farming, farmers in California are going back to the past to look at more effective and traditional methods of farming. It's called regenerative farming and it focuses on improving the life of microbes in the soil. That means a less disruptive approach and a chance for microbes and bacteria to work in peace. Inakish Amor is a lead farmer at McGrath Family Farms in Camarillo, California. How are these dead sunflowers going to become food for, for the soil, right? right? So these organisms help break that down for plants. You, you can see like the roots of the plants are basically like our stomachs. And the more diversity of bacteria there is, the more organic matter, the healthier the plant is. So less pesticides and fertilizers can mean the food is more nutritious and potentially more profitable. Adam McCurdy is Director of Farm Production at Coastal Roots Farm in California. Even those that are doing heavy tillage and grossing $200 an acre, yeah. as opposed to intensive growing like this, if you're doing it well, you can do $20,000 an acre, yeah. $50,000 an acre. So they even started to say, oh, yeah, preserve the microbes in the soil, like granddad used to do. It's a holistic approach. It's about holistic, regenerative community nourishment and management.
We've all been through a love-hate relationship with Zoom over the last few years, from sulking around in pyjamas with our cameras turned off to a rise in plastic surgery as a nation was forced to watch itself on screen for hours on end. So, for some people, it may be a relief that we're more and more being asked to return to the office. Traffic levels seem to be returning to normal, although many companies still allow hybrid working, where staff can work from home a couple of days a week. There's increasing pressure to get back to the office. But one company sees things a little differently. American software corporation Autodesk. They specialise in products and services for the architecture, design, engineering and education industries and are based in San Francisco. Rebecca Pierce, who is their chief people officer, explains why they prefer hybrid first. We don't believe that just being in an office is what helps people to be happy, productive, collaborative, innovative. I feel it would be a failure for us as an organisation if we had to resort to compelling people to be here. We want them to be here because they want to be here. It's all about how do we bring people together for the moments that matter and that are better in person. It's not about just seeing people's faces because it makes you feel better or because you have concerns around kind of performance or any of those things. It's things which are better done in person. There is no doubt that there are things that are harder to do when you are remote. We are going to say to employees from time to time, hey, we think you need to be here for for the next few months uh, in person because it's going to accelerate your success and it's going to accelerate our success. So, you know, we are not a remote first company. We are a hybrid first company. Every organisation has to do what works for them. But for us, our culture is more than our buildings and more than our places. We've all got someone in our life who is a little bit shy about their age, right? That friend who never mentions a birthday or the person whose LinkedIn profile seems to have them going to college several years later than you remember. Well, it might not just be your friends who are shy about their age. It turns out the moon may also be much older than we thought. 40 million years older, in fact. Bidong Zhang is a planetary scientist at UCLA and he's been studying moon rocks recovered by Apollo 17 back in 1972 and things were quite different to what he expected to find. Honestly, when I was studying the moon rocks, every time they give me surprises, every time. We use the atom probe, which is a very new technique we used in the semiconductor industry in the past. We introduced the technique to the geology recently. Basically, we counted the atom position one by one to see where they are. Then we confirm that the the age of the the mineral was authentic. Moon has a very stable environment. It can record very ancient uh, impacts or some other events uh, on the Earth-Moon system then in this way, we can know what happened on Earth because everything on, on Earth was wiped out by geological processes, by weathering, tectonics, by cycling of rocks. The moon is much stabler, so it's a key recorder of a lot of events that, that were not recorded on Earth. So knowing the crystallization or the solidification of the lunar surface, we are able to know a lot of things about our own home, Earth. This has been the Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend.